Turn in your scriptures this morning to a different passage, not John 17, but Matthew 25, 14 through 30, if you will. We are in a different mode this morning. I'm taking a time out to focus this morning on the issue of the good and faithful servant. We're doing so because of the connection. See, as a member, Nathaniel has complete freedom to do that at any time. If you're a non-member, you may not do that. This morning we're focusing on the good and faithful servant. And the reason that we're choosing to take a break from the text is because we're doing a ministry fair today. We're going to encourage all of you, right when I'm done, we're going to take those that have set up and put long, arduous hours to prepare for this fair with an E. It's very old English. Um, no, not it's not a ferry. It's not a ferry. It's just fair. It's old English. I just want to... If you go over there and you're looking for a ferry, it doesn't exist, okay? Um... But as you go over, we're going to dismiss them right after I get done speaking. Then we're going to listen to that. Steve's going to perform the song that we led with this morning on the video. Beautiful song called When It's All Been Said and Done. And it fits so profoundly with where the message is at today. Then we will all exit because we put the food over there. We're so smart that way. So you don't have to go that way. And you don't have to go that way. You just go that way. And... You go straight in the ministry fair room and we're going to have some fun and you're going to kind of rotate through and hear all about how you can be involved if you're not already involved here at Concord Bible Church. So why do we do this? Well, because there's a very profound teaching that Christ gave during the Passion Week. And this teaching was given in a discourse that starts several chapters prior And Christ is giving a warning to those that are listening to be prepared for his return, where he would come again and his feet would set on the Mount of Olives and that he would take us home to be with him. And so he uses multiple illustrations, metaphors, stories to help get the point across. And so this morning, as we look at this, I'm going to give you three points, three main points for you to examine and uh, And we'll dance around in them a little bit. Number one, the master requires. Number two, the master returns. Number three, the master recruits. And we'll get to Matthew 25, 14 in just a minute. We're going to break it down um, as we move through it. But let me give you three examples this morning, if I could. Um, You're going to hear three about three individuals in Christ's illustration. I'm going to give you three other individuals that are current individuals. A person who became a pastor. And you've got to ask yourself, how many people did it take in order for that person to become a pastor and to fill a pulpit? Or how about a person who became a media and sound tech and provides the opportunity for musicians to lead the congregation who then in turn lift their voices How many people did it take? How much effort? What happened in order to create? And what was given to those individuals who sit in those seats of ministry, of media and sound? What about a person who became a nursery coordinator? What did it take to see that happen? An act of God. That didn't go over like I I envisioned it. Obviously, not many of you have worked in nursery. 
How about a person who became a nursery coordinator? What did it take for that person to move into that position that then serves a family that some of you this morning are here and you have a break? You can listen as an adult to an adult conversation and you can relax without the beautiful tugging of your precious cherub on your side. Someone is serving some of you this morning. What did it take to get to that point? Why is any of that happening? I believe that Matthew 25 holds the insights to why this is happening. And so this morning as we get into it, the Master requires, let's read verses 14, <coughs> excuse me, um, well it's not all the way through 30, um, it's 14 through 18. So let's read this together. Follow along in your scriptures, if you will. And Jesus again is giving an example of what we are to be doing to prepare for his return. And he says this, starting another story to demonstrate his point. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents. To another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Well, let's blow that out a little bit. Number one. There's three different servants. Did you catch that? There's three different servants. There's a master who has entrusted something of great value to these three different servants. He calls them in one at a time and he entrusts them with the same gift. No, different gifts. Let's talk about what this talent means. Three different talents. The, the one who received five talents, if you'd like to do the math, if you're into economics, if you do the, the world uh, calculator exchange rates, uh, this would be... And by the way, talent in, in Greek is actually money. Um, you know, we, we, sometimes we would want to equate this to different things, but it actually means money. It would be the equivalent today of $12,000 um, the master gave to this one particular. And so then you can extrapolate that out to two talents or one talent. There was diversity in what was given. How many of you have heard the scripture that God will only give you what you can handle? Raise your hand. Can anybody tell me where that is? That's your homework assignment. This is just for fun. This isn't in my notes. Uh, how many of you have heard the great biblical treatise that says godliness is next to cleanliness? Oh, I'm sorry. I misquoted it. Cleanliness is next to godliness. How many of you know where that's... that's uh... All right. Just testing. The first one I told you is in Scripture. You find out where that is. Diversity in what was given. God will only give you what you can handle. We're going to see out of 1 Corinthians 12... Um, Romans uh, uh, 12 speaks about this as well. There's some passages in Peter that speaks about giftedness. And when you really look at it, it has to do with our calling and what God resources us with. You know, Alan does a great job with tech and with finance in this church. You do not want me touching either of those two things. That is not my gift mix. We had the blessing of, of these individuals serving you and yet these individuals serving you through music were being served by whom? People back here. And 
When you walked in today, you were being served by individuals at the welcome kiosk. You were being served by ushers that were opening doors for you. And on and on and on it goes. God gives us different levels of ability or resource. The number one resource that he gives us is the gospel, my friends. So start there in your mindset. If you know Jesus, you start with the gospel. That is the first thing that he has given to you. You are not supposed to hold on to the gospel. You are supposed to give it away. That's why it was given to you. Number one, so it would have an impact on you. But then you are to share it with others. Think about that in equation with what we're looking at this morning. 1 Corinthians 12 speaks about gifts and that there are many gifts. Let's look at this. And he says this, and I'm only going to give you a portion of it. You can go look at the fullness of it later on. But Paul says this to the church at Corinth. He says, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So there are varieties to what God has given you as a believer in Jesus Christ so that you may serve effectively. You know, it's kind of like a puzzle, right? And you're part of the puzzle. And if you don't have every piece put together in the puzzle, you can get kind of a picture of what it looks like, but you don't get the full glory of it. Folks, that's how our churches run today. We're like a, a, the puzzle that's sitting on the card table in the living room for forever and nobody finishes it, right? Because there's pieces sitting on the outside or pieces that decide to stay in the box or there's pieces that got, you know, crumpled or broken if you're part of the people that make puzzles at my house. Janine's laughing. She goes, we don't even do puzzles. What are you talking about? It's all part of a puzzle. And the ultimate that we want to see, that God wants to see, is that picture coming to fruition. In order to see that happen, all the pieces have to fit together. And each piece has its significance. Right? How many of you guys love those border pieces? Those border pieces are paramount. But you know, if you don't have that little small piece that has the triangle, the sharp edge, the dagger, you know that part? I, I like those guys. The smallest part of the puzzle sometimes. But if you don't put that piece in, the puzzle isn't complete. As a matter of fact, you can have all these pieces and you walk up and you see this puzzle and what do you notice first? The piece that's missing. Because it's not where it needs to be. It's not where it needs to be. Then he says this, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Each of us, knowing Christ, has been given a talent, a resource, so that the body, for the common good of the body, we can run the way we're supposed to run. We can be complete. We can be who Christ wants us to be. Now, if Christ had said, look, I'll just take care of it from heaven. I'll do it all. I'll impart my sovereign will upon everybody. And it'll just happen that way. Great. We can be like the servant that hid his talent in the ground. But Christ didn't do that. He decided to hand the reins over to us, depend on him, but utilize us to carry out his will. And so the challenge for us this morning is which servant do we want to be? Well, number one, we know that he's speaking about real talents, uh, real money. Real money was given. We know that he was given or gave out portion uh, to each person as they could handle it. Two servants doubled their gifts. They didn't just increase it. They doubled it. The one who had five doubled his. The one who had two doubled his. 
What happened with the last ones? One servant hid their gift. That begs the question of why. It begs the question, why? And so this morning, let's examine that. Let's break that out. <coughs> Excuse me. As we do so, I, I, have, I have just a couple questions for you. We see in Christ's illustration that two servants doubled what was given to them. They honored their master. One servant, for particular reasons, and we'll start to examine the preciseness of why in, in a moment, but he hid his gift. And we'll see where this story goes, but my question to you is this, which one are you in the story? You see, these stories, these metaphors were given by Christ so that the common man could identify with someone in the story. And ultimately, his desire is that he has the protagonist and he has the antagonist in the story. And that's our duty is to figure out which one God wants us to be. It is not the latter. But my question to you this morning, you and I need to wrestle with who do we want to be in this story? You know, if, if the majority of us took the view of the individual who buried what was given to him, there's probably going to be an empty pulpit where there should be a pastor. There's probably going to be a music team somewhere that doesn't have the capabilities to lead in a large assembly because there's nobody to help operate the equipment. There's probably going to be a family that stays home from church because when they came to church, the nursery was closed. And it's just too much for their baby to be in service. That's what's at stake this morning. Why does the servant hide the gift? Well, these are just my speculative ideas, all right? Number one, fear. And, and I don't think I'm speculating too much because when we look further down the list, the master confronts him and says, you know, why didn't you treat it the way it needed to be treated? And he said, because I knew you were a harsh master. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But there was obvious fear that was involved. How many of us are fearful about sharing the gospel? Do you know that it's a spiritual endeavor? Do you know that if you try to do it on your own, you're going to be fearful? If you go into it with prayer and with the power of the Holy Spirit, you probably still will be fearful. But who do you fear more? Do you fear God who gave you the gospel, who expects you to not bury it, but to share it with those who desperately are in need? Pause. How many of us are here because someone shared the gospel with us? I'm here because someone shared the gospel with me. Now again, I used, to, I used to talk about the empty chairs in the room and how we're responsible to fill those chairs. Somebody changed my mind on, on these chairs being a negative. These chairs are opportunity. Because if these chairs are all filled, there's no more room for anybody. Now that's not a message for you to stay home. Get it? Okay? But because there are empty chairs, next week will this row be filled? Who will take responsibility to fill that row? Will this row be filled? Who will take responsibility to fill that row? God has given you something. Double it. Double it. Maybe it was doubt. As I just challenged you, did you go through a, a season of doubt? It might have been a really short season. 
a 10-second season. You might have thought, well, there's this person I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that I can witness to or share the gospel with, but I doubt that they would listen. Or I'd like to invite this person, but I doubt that they would come. That's a tool of the enemy. And it didn't work real well for this servant. Lack of understanding of the master. He calls him a harsh master. Folks, there's a lot of people out there that look at God as a harsh, harsh God. They don't know the God of the Bible. Amen? Now, God is just. And He... He presents His justice and His holiness. And sometimes that's difficult. But as the writer of Hebrews says in in Hebrews 12... Who likes discipline? Nobody likes discipline. But it's good for us. Because it corrects us. Defiance. Maybe we just say, I'm not going to do it. I don't care. Maybe that's where we're at. Maybe that's where he was at. Maybe he just has the wrong relationship with the master that he's like, well, I'm going to sabotage his stuff. I don't want him to make money. Because this money is going to go to him. It's not going to go to me. What's the benefit? What's the perk? Right? So sometimes it's just defiance. Sometimes it's a motivation problem. Because they don't truly know the master, then they don't have the right motivation. By the way, all of this is done because of our love for the master. All of this is done because of our love for God, our love for Christ. And we want to please him. And, And we'll hear how that connects here in a minute when the master returns never truly devoted to the master verse 26 helps us understand this let's let's look at that real quickly go ahead and turn there we're, we're going to get to it again eventually but it says this but his master answered him you wicked and slothful servant you knew that i reap where i have not sown or gathered uh where i scattered no seed then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming i should have received what was my own with interest He never truly was devoted to the Master. You see, when we're devoted to Christ, we want to glorify Him, not ourselves. We have godly mindset that's involved in our efforts to multiply or double what it is that God has given us. That's our motivation. And that happens because of true relationship and devotion to the Master. What could have been that was never realized? You know, His view of God was wrong. And he throws out excuses. The master returns, verses 19 through 30. Let's look at this. This idea of the master returning, verses 19 through 30. He says this, Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So those are the first two. Now let's see what happens with the last servant. Starting verse 24, it says this. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering 
where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So the talent was taken from him and give it. Actually, so the so take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents for to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant. Remember those words and cast the worthless servant into outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, he calls them some interesting names here. Did you pick up on that? You wicked and slothful servant. How many of you have lazy instead of slothful? Yeah. Lazy is easier to understand. Have you ever seen a sloth? Oh my goodness. It's like the personification of a high schooler. What? What? Sorry, that was just my demonstration of what Jesus was doing to the servant here. Just using just harsh descriptors. Oh, your laughter speaks much more than your groans. Wicked and slothful is how Jesus describes this person. Worthless is how Jesus describes this person. Pay attention. If you're on your electronics, look up. Focus. If you're reading something, stop. If you're looking at your nails, put them away. They'll be on your hands tomorrow. Now you're all wondering who was doing that. It's okay. It's my secret and your secret. You ready? Because here it comes. You and I will stand before our Master. And what Jesus is saying right here, right now, to the people who are sitting in court in front of Him is that there will be a day when I return and I will ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? Do you want to be known by your Lord and Savior as lazy, as wicked? And let me explain wicked. Wicked is simply this idea of prideful. Pride is listed as as the worst abomination. Prideful means I'm going to put my agenda in front of your agenda. Selfishness. Do you want to be described from Christ as worthless? This is what's at stake right now. You're hearing these words. You are now accountable for these words. So pay careful attention with what you do. If you are involved in ministry and you're saying, well, I'll tune out because I've heard this story a million times and I'm already doing ministry. Do you do it with excellence? If Jesus was standing here, would He say that what you are doing is done with excellence? Or are you lazy with your ministry? Am I lazy with my ministry? It needs to be done to please the Father. Where you need to now transfer. So that was the harsh part. The ruler's getting put away back into the desk. Here's the beautiful part. What did He say to the first two servants? Enter into my joy. Well done. Good and what? Faithful servant. 
Is Christ looking for perfection? No. But here's the beauty of what He gives you. He will give you the power to do what He wants done with it. We don't have the details of how these guys doubled their money, but He gave them the opportunity to do it, and He made it happen through them because they were willing. That's the difference. They were willing to do something with what God gave them. And His expression to them is, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. Is that your purpose in life? Is that my purpose in life? This is the point. I'm glad I've got all of your attention. Because everything else is vying for your attention right now. Not like right now, not in this moment, but in the world. And you will get to a moment where you will pass by and you'll say, what did I do with my life? When it's all been said and done, what did I do for Christ? What's on the table? What will I be able to present to Him when He comes to gather His accounts? Does it have worth? And you have so much. I have so much that's trying to strip me away from using what God's given me. Because I have to, right? I have to provide for my family. I have soccer teams I have to coach. I have to go to the gym so I can lose weight. I have to read because I need to be a knowledgeable and experienced person. I need to spend time with my kids and my wife. And and when it's all said and done, there just really isn't time for service. Right? It's like that Cats in the Cradle song, right? You guys remember that, right? You start humming it right now. I don't even get it. What what is that? Why is a cat in the cradle? That has nothing to do with the song. I get the song, but what's the threat of the cat? I guess if you've had a cat, you know you don't want the cat in the cradle. But the point is you keep thinking tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And you get to tomorrow and you get to the end and you're out of days. And it never got done. It never got done. He's going to return. And what will he say? Let's look at some other scripture here. He wants us to bear fruit. This fits with our passage. We, we read it this morning. That he desires that we bear fruit. That's what we're focusing on. How's your fruit harvest lately, folks? Let's go right back to John 15, 1 through 2. And it says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. This is God's agenda through you. Luke 6, 43-45 For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. <clears throat> For each tree is known by its own fruit. And he goes on to explain that, that, that concept that God has given you fruit to bear. He doesn't expect Mike to bear the same fruit that I'm bearing. He doesn't expect Lyndon to bear the same fruit Janine is bearing. He has called you, and we'll get into this at the end of the message today. He's called you specifically to be His instrument whereby He is glorified and He reaches those that need, as we saw in the body, 1 Corinthians 12, need acts of service so that we can thrive as the church, but also to reach out to the world around us based out of John 17. Luke 6, 40, I'm sorry, here we go. Luke 8, 15. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold fast in an honest and good heart. And what? Bear fruit with patience. Now here's the fascinating part. Why did I include that verse? 
Because there's a little bit of a hiccup here with this passage that people want to say, here's evidence that you can lose your salvation. You can lose the grace that God has given you. Let me just share with you from my perspective, and it's not just my perspective, there's a lot of good perspective out there, that when he says at the end, and cast, you know, take away his talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. My estimation of this is simply like Judas. Judas was part of the gang, right? Jesus asked him to participate. He called him into it. But Judas never truly had a heart for Christ. Instead, he gave himself over to the world at a particular point in time. And so, this parable that's out of Luke and it's in in some of the other Gospels as well, is the parable of the soils and that the seed is the Gospel and it's spread into different soils and and some soil would accept it, some soil wouldn't. Satan would come and snatch the seed out of it. And then other soil, it would be too hard and the birds would eat it. And that's kind of like the world taking away the message of the Gospel. And then other soil, you would see some germination and you see some things, but the cares of the world would choke it out. But the good soil, the soil that was really ripe and really good and 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 thriving that had been prepared and cultivated it lasted and it bore fruit and folks i think that that's the demonstration that we see here in matthew 25 so what's the message to you and i it's not that we don't have blessed assurance it's that let's make sure that we're bearing fruit here's the here's the beauty of bearing fruit when we're bearing fruit that's a demonstration of christ working through us that's one of the assurances of our salvation in James 2, 14-17, we see as well James' discourse about faith and works. And he says this, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And this is what is being stated by James. That if you truly know Christ, if it's truly part of who you are, then the Spirit is in you and the Word of God is in you. And you will produce fruit. You cannot fail to bear fruit. But part of my responsibility is to share this information with you so that you're learning, so that you know what the expectation is. Because this is Christ's expectation on us. But far too often... We have churches filled with people that there are those that just would say, just pray the prayer and you're in. You're good to go. That's a scary doctrine. Brothers, sisters, make sure that you have a heart that's devoted to Christ, that you're growing in Him, and so that when He gives you what He's given you, you want to multiply it. That's an indicator of truly knowing your Master. The master returns. The one who refused to honor the master, he was, his talent was taken away. His view of the master was wrong. I've asked you this already, but I'll reiterate it one more time. What do you want the master to say to you when he returns? Depart from me, wicked and lazy servant, or well done, good and faithful servant, enter into my joy. The master recruits. That just means we have opportunity and great opportunity. Ask yourself this question. 
What do we do with what God has given us? What do we do with that? Do we think about that? Maybe that's where you and I start this morning as we start assessing what is it that God has given me? Start there. Make a list. Secondly, start to use it. You have the ability to serve. The question is, are you committed to serving? And are you committed to letting the Holy Spirit use that service for His glory to work through you? I have... I really truly push myself to think if there is another time that I can see greater joy within a believer's life than when they know that God has used them. I can see dry Christians all around me. I can see bored Christians all around me. And the one consistency with those individuals is that they have buried what was given to them. That the other things in their life, school, Work, family. By the way, none of those things are bad. Please don't misinterpret what I'm saying. Um, career, hobbies, finances. All those things are so much. I, I can't live without those things. What are you kidding me? Cats in the cradle. Because I'll guarantee you what you're saying is, well, at this time of my life, it's just I'm, I'm really under a lot of pressure. I just got to get this done. And then, you know, when, when I get this over with, then, I'll, then I can serve God. Can I just tell you, cats in the cradle, you're going to turn around and you're going to find that there was something else just lurking around the corner to distract you and to steal away your opportunity to experience that joy, to have that title, good and faithful servant. This act of service, this act of doubling what God has given you doesn't come naturally. You have to plan for it. You have to work at it. You have to be purposeful about it. You have the ability to serve. By the way, Matthew 20, verse 28 says, Christ came not to be served, but to what? To serve. And we're, we're to follow in the example of Christ. Gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, read through it. We don't, we're not going to cover that this morning, but read through it. That's a place to start. Uh, I, I, I would just encourage you never take a spiritual gifts inventory. Don't do that. Okay, that, that's kind of, that, that can really mess you up. Uh, I'm going to give you a, a different formula. All right. First of all, I don't believe that all the gifts we have lifted in Scripture are necessarily all the gifts God gives. Paul's just giving an example. And so if we just limit ourselves to those, I've met many people who look at those gifts listed in 12 and say, I just don't see that happening in my life. So I guess God hasn't what? giving me a gift. Oh, I'm a loser. Then I have to do a lot of counseling and there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and it's bad. We end up at Taco Bell gorging on tacos and it's, it's just not healthy. One of the better ways to examine this, well, first of all, you've got to find some time. You've got to carve out some time and, and trust me, what's going to show your devotion to somebody when you sacrifice time that you would give to yourself for others? That's how God will be pleased. Next, money. Maybe there's a literal sense of this. Maybe, maybe you're saying, well, I'm saving up for this or I'm saving up for that or, or I've got these, you know, these huge bills and, and all this is happening, so I just don't have what... And, and God's saying, wait, just start small. Just start with an act of devotion. But do it joyfully. Do it joyfully. Maybe it's your resources. Maybe it's the things that you have you can loan out. 
You know, we always pray. I'm sure Brad and Nancy, I'm, I'm speaking for Brad and Nancy here. I'm sure those that loan their vehicles out to go to Hume Lake, right? We always pray that they come back in one piece. The kids, not the vehicles, the kids. No, we pray for the cars as well. Um, but to look at your resources that you have, whether it's your house, your cars, whatever it is. God, it's yours. Use it. And if it can bring glory, how many of us would think this car that I have may help some kid come to Christ? A car. How much should I serve? Well, there's a thing that I like to reiterate. It's called worship plus two. We start here, folks. Make this the priority. Make Sunday morning the priority. Because this is where you're going to get the rudimentary teaching. All right? This is where we gather together. This is where we become a community. And then from there, what do we do? Because we want to be careful that there's a balance on life. So we encourage you to get involved in some kind of Bible study or accountability group with someone in the church. Or, or maybe it's another believer in your neighborhood. That's fine. They're part of the church. And then the next thing, the second, or, or, or the plus two is, is accountability, Bible study, life group, whatever that would be. Some enriching teaching where you can go back and forth. Secondly, is ministry. Get involved so God can work through you with what he's given you and you will see great joy in your life you will see great joy you will no longer be a bored christian you might have frustrating days but you won't be bored and those frustrating days those will make you depend on christ all the more amen pray about what you want your reward to be Right? Don't get into this for a selfish reason. Wow, okay, they doubled what they had and, and this was talents, this was real money. I'm going to start serving God and boom, my bank account's going to double. No, that's not how it works. Start praying about what you want God to do with what He's given you. Come underneath His leadership. Come underneath His power and then see what he'll, where He'll take it and what He'll do with it. Compare how much time you put into that which will not last versus that which will last and change lives. Back in the 80s, when I was a singer-songwriter trying out for American Idol, I had, a, I had a lyric to a song that I wrote, two different men living not two different lives. One man lived, to, one man lived for the changes in life. The other lived to change lives. And that was written when I was about 19. And I'm happy to say that I'm the latter. I've not been disappointed in going that direction. I've not been disappointed in going that direction. Decide what you want to be known for. To God. Not to anybody else, but to God. What do you want to be known for? How do I get involved? Ministry fair today. We're going we're gonna to close here in just a second with a song. I'm going to dismiss those that are going to be pre- presenting. When you go, if you have small children, those folks are no longer going to be hanging on to your children. So grab them up. Maybe have one of you go to the ministry fair and the other be with the kids on the playground. Um, Maybe, however you work it out. And if you can't make it today, talk to us and and find out what we were talking about and where our needs are. We're growing as a church. Come on a Wednesday night. See how radically different this campus is and what's going on. Or, Or get involved in a life group or some of the the women's or men's ministries, things that are going on, pray, seek advice. Find somebody in the church that you see doing this well and ask them how they got involved and how they can mentor you in it. Invitation, confirmation, affirmation. 
This is where we'll do things a little bit differently versus the spiritual gifts test. That when you go over, there's going to be individuals. You'll, you'll be free to sign up for certain things. But as individuals get to know you here at this church that have experience in practicing their giftedness, we'll start guiding you into opportunities that work well as we see it. See, there's a, for me as a pastor, I had an invitation. I had a calling at a certain point in time. And then as that became effective and lives were being changed through the speaking of the Word of God, that was my confirmation. And then as individuals started to demonstrate change in their life and came up and reflected about that change and, and shared about the change and shared about how God used that Scripture to change them, that was the affirmation. I think that's a better route than going a spiritual gifts test. So pursue, you got opportunity, explore, look for the invitations, then start looking for the confirmation as God working through you, which will be joy and results, and then affirmation, people see God working through you. Okay? Determine that you'll bear fruit. That's the bottom line. Determine that you're going to bear fruit. Amen? Amen. So this morning, what we're going to do is we have surveillance cameras. We will be calling all those who go directly to their car later this week. Your star will be removed. No, 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 none of that's going to happen. Um, But we have, in a very manipulative sense, moved the food over in front of the ministry fair today. So uh, we have a brand new $7,000, thank you to the gifts, $7,000 air conditioning unit that will be nice and cool in that room. And so um, come join us. We're just going to exit straight. Go left. There isn't even anybody at the, at the, at the welcome kiosk. Nobody there. And, uh, and so just go left, and it's the last room in our CE building. Pick up your kids, and I'm going to dismiss those that are going to be manning the booze. You are dismissed now. Go, prepare, get your party favors and your Black Angus gift card, bribery cards ready. And, uh, and we're excited. All these people, you see all these people? They are so excited about, do not disappoint these people. And then I'm going to ask Stephen to come up and close us in a song as we leave today. Bottom line, my friends, is this. Understand this is Christ's expectation on his people. And remember the puzzle, right? And ask yourself, are you that missing piece of the puzzle? And one of the things that as a church leadership we're committed to doing is helping you enjoy increasing those talents for God. Running together in unity perfectly, which we'll hear about next week. God bless you. Let me pray for you and then Stephen's going to play a song. When the song is done, that is your cue to get up in one joyful chorus and move together um, in a giant 42-legged race over to uh, the ministry room. All right, let me pray. Father, thank you for the blessings that you give us. And again, Lord, I don't understand, I don't presume to understand why it is that you choose to work through us who can be so selfish, who can be so much like the wicked servant our failure to understand our Master, 
our, our lack of devotion to the Master, our, our lack of motivation to serve lovingly the Master, to be part of the team. And yet, you knew that in your infinite wisdom. And yet you choose to continue to work through us. Father, let us experience the joy of our Master. Let us be given much because of what we have given You. Let us wrestle with this in a serious way. Through Your power and only Your leading. To Your glory, Father. Amen.